Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm warm. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, bright, sunny at least here. Evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 134, covering season 7, episode 3, Fragile Balance. Good evening everybody, welcome to the Gatecast. Alan's fresh and... Minty. Minty, that's the word I'm looking for, minty, from his little journey into uh, the heartland of England. Well, the West Country anyway. Well, close enough. And assorted guest ales. Hmm, guest ale. <laughs> Including some hobgoblin, which I drank with gusto until it ran out. They ran out of beer? <laughs> no, they ran out of hobgoblin. Oh, right. They'd forgotten I was coming. On the bright side, from my planning perspective, for assorted reasons, not including the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, they've actually announced the dates for Hogswatch 2013. Oh, that's good. It'll give you plenty of time to plan. I have said to my boss that, given the nature of the things I attend... If he wanted me to, I could give him rough outline of my planned leave until June the year after next. <laughs> Most of my planned leave being three and a half weeks in the States this late August, early September. Yeah. And in a tale of sheer unmitigated horror, a three and a quarter hour drive away from my passport. <laughs> With a 6.40 a.m. flight. Oh dear. Oh dear indeed. I'm going to give a plug here. You can take it out if you like, but I am genuinely grateful. Aer Lingus, Ireland's official national airline, and the only airline that flies from this country to the UK that allows you to travel on a driving licence. Michael O'Leary's crowd insists on a passport. Had I not been able to fly on a driving licence, I wouldn't have been able to go. I am grateful to Aer Lingus for the flexibility and ID policy. Photo ID. Yeah, our driving licences. So yes, I was able to fly, and I was out in Dublin Airport at 4.43am on Friday. Which is why I'm trying to book flights for the December trip now. But yeah, it were fun, and I dressed as Biblius, the god of wine. Not to be confused with Bilius, the god of hangovers. Sorry, oh god of hangovers. The two are often, though, hand in hand. Well, one follows the other. Yes. And follows the other in the other direction as well. <laughs> one attempts to... what is it at this point? Oh, banish. Thank you, dictionary in head. One attempts to banish Bilius by the invoking of Biblius. <laughs> He told me to F off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no problem understanding that. Wake up, go to work. Work. Come home. Eat dinner. Rot your brain out. Go to bed. Lather. Rinse. Repeat. Are you tired of an old humdrum life? Tired of things that just weigh you down and depress you? Wouldn't you rather just focus on things that are awesome? Tune into Nutty Bites. Find out what's awesome. Nutty Bites. Nimlast.org slash blog. I have tweeted in what I feel is a particularly amusing fashion. Did you see the pictures of me as a guard I shared? I saw a post come up saying you've been tagged in a picture. Well, there's a picture I shared and beside me holding what looks like a halberd is Natalie, goddess of walking puppies and stopping traffic. <laughs> She's in a corset, and she really did. Oh, right. As we emerged out from the archway of the Dolphin onto the main street of Wincanton, 
there was a car driving by with a boy of about nine in the passenger seat and his jaw was somewhere in the vicinity of the footwell and his eyes were approximately the size of your average dinner plate. <laughs> I think he was like, Dad, Dad, slow down, slow down. And his dad glanced across just as Natalie came out and just came to a sudden halt. <laughs> she quite literally nice. did. Do you see Natalie? The redhead. Yes. That's got to be one of my cheaper costumes. The sandals cost about, I think, a fiver and the garland were a tenner. The sheet was borrowed from Chris. Well, you can always find a white sheet, can't you? Behind Natalie is Dr. Pat Harkin as the god of tastelessness. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot. Someone, someone, perhaps you've thrown up on him. And to the left, from your perspective of Pat, is Waddy, who's come over from Round World to celebrate the Jubilee in, as you can see, typically subtle Waddy style. Well, this was one big kind of pub crawl then? Uh, no, we paraded down Main Street. Oh, right. And then we were announced and brought up on stage by Dr. Hicks, the necessary evil. He actually has a T-shirt with that. What, necessary evil? On the front, he has Dr. Hicks, and written on the back, he has the necessary evil. <laughs> and yes, he is the Department of Postmortem Communications guy. The other thing was, I'd engaged her as my auction bidding control mechanism. Oh, she had to restrain you, did she? Because anyone who's ever seen me bid at an auction knows I need to be restrained. And they had, for the 2006 con, they nicked several of the AA signs. <laughs> we apparently contacted the AA, and the AA said they're okay with it. But I went to bid on it, and she pounced on my arm with her full weight, which isn't that much, and said, you are nothing on that, it won't fit in my suitcase. <laughs> Practical. But when she said it, the hall was completely quiet. <laughs> and she said it quite loudly. So she got a cheer and applause. And I said, congratulations, Kitty, you managed to publicly embarrass me at one of these things. I didn't think that was possible anymore. Yeah, that takes some doing, doesn't it? It does. I, I don't have any shame left. You've seen that costume. <laughs> I presume, given how much of research you are, you've already looked up who plays Loki. I don't need to know you can say it in the episode. I just need to know if you know. Yeah. Okay, then. Shall we? I've avoided having disc spin-up issues by not actually clicking in until we'd started. Right. So my line is not present. It does this sometimes. It decides not to bother with line. Okay, line is duly cocked. Is your line ready? It was somewhere. Oh, there it is. Subtitles are turned on because it makes it so much easier for me to follow the episode. Yeah, I'm good, girl. Ever three, ever a doe, ever a hen. Flicky. Fade to black, fade in on stock footage. Yes, boring stock footage. We need new stock footage. Yes. At old 920 hours this morning, someone tried to enter the base using this. Colonel O'Neill's security ID. Ah, level 16. Mm-hmm. I think they just decided, what number shall it be this week? Yeah. Me? Why? Well, I was hoping you could figure that one out, Major. Open it. Security level, then. Hmm. And here we have... Mini Jack. Thank you. Now we're getting somewhere. Sergeant. That uh, coffee I asked for half an hour ago? You know, anytime you feel like getting it. <laughs> Got the attitude, hasn't he? He's a boy. A boy? <laughs> As it turns out, Carter, yes, I am. For the moment. Oh, dear. Do I know you? Come on. It's me. We tried to contact Colonel O'Neill, even sent someone to his house. <laughs> There's nobody there. Impersonating a military officer is a federal offense. I am not impersonating 
anyone. I am Jack O'Neill. <laughs> He's got the mannerisms now. Well, they actually supplied him with a best of <laughs> Jack O'Neill tape so he could actually study all the mannerisms for the role. And that's a very short teaser. Certainly our shortest this season. Too right, yeah. Okay then, Fragile Balance, Season 7, Episode 3. Story by Peter DeLuise and Michael Greenberg. Uh, the screenplay was written by Damien Kindler and directed by Peter DeLuise. Mm-hmm. The episode premiered in the US June the 20th, 2003. Uh, the UK got it October the 13th, same year. Australia, October the 23rd. And the Canadians, September the 23rd, 2004. Uh, poor Canadians. There's something rather unique. No other TV show shares this episode title. Ooh. I had to actually do a search twice because I didn't believe it. <laughs> it's that unusual. Ooh. I'm sure someone will come up with it soon. I would think probably Dark Skies will grab it. Dark Skies? The thing with Noah Wiley about... Oh, Falling Skies. Falling Skies, yeah. It sounds like something they'd use. Finally. <laughs> He's got his coffee. Couldn't find a belt, though. Yeah. From the looks on it. <laughs> Hot chocolate? Are you kidding? Where did you get this? I didn't... <laughs> He's travelled all the way from Jack's house... Yes. ...to the mountain. Like this. Yes. Look... Last night... Oh, Braytag. No, Jacob. ...went to bed and woke up like this. Now, can we please just get to the part where you and Fraser run some tests, find a cure, make me big again? Hmm. Big again? This <laughs> is the security breach? Daniel, will you tell them who I am, please? Okay, love to. Who are you? This young man claims he's Colonel O'Neill. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, right? What's going on? Daniel! Sounds like him, at least the loud grating parts. Daniel is loving this. Okay, you want proof? Carter, you once carried a Tok'ra named Jolinar who gave her life to save you. Daniel, until recently you were an ascended being. You broke the rules, you got yourself kicked out of the Oma de Sala fan club, and had your memory erased. And you and Braytac both just lost your snakes in a ghouled ambush. And young O'Neill is played by Michael Welsh, mm-hmm. a US actor. He's been in uh, Joan of Arcadia, Star Trek Insurrection, Twilight and Bones. He was 15 when he made this episode. How could this child possess such knowledge? (laughs) 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 Well, Tilk's either going to hit him or embrace him. Yes. It's me. (laughs) Pepsi. Would anyone care to speculate how a boy could be aware of our most classified information? Well, sir, it could be him. There is a physical resemblance. But he can't be more than 15 years old. Are you saying Colonel O'Neill has somehow regressed more than 30 years overnight? Stranger things have happened. Name but one. Well, there was a time he got really old, the time he became a caveman, the time we all swapped bodies. Why don't we move on to the testing portion of this exercise? (laughs) Look, Sam, Janet got her hair done. Yes. Well, Sam's... I think Sam just doesn't bother anymore. He looks better than he did last week. That's true. Hmm. <laughs> what size margin of error are we talking about? Very small. In a court of law, the DNA sample we took from the boy would be considered a high probability match to the DNA we have on file from Colonel O'Neill. There is a 
tiny abnormality, but for all intents and purposes, it's him. Tiny abnormality, like the fact that he's suddenly quite a few years younger than he's supposed to be? To be honest, this is out of my league. This episode actually was the first produced for season seven. Hmm. And the reason we don't see much of Richard Dean Anderson was that he wasn't there. I'll go set up a PlayStation. Yeah, I'd date it. Well, technically, they didn't give a number. Was it PS2 out of all three? I don't know. He still likes his Fruit Loop, so... I think you two are enjoying this just a little too much. Well, you are kind of cute. That's sir to you. And being trapped inside a scrawny little body isn't my idea of cute, Carter. <laughs> Until he's restrained himself. Does possessing a younger body not have certain advantages on you? No, not seeing it. What do you mean? Do you not experience increased health and vitality? My vitality was just fine, thank you. Your acne. Is that makeup or is that real acne? That's real. They made the actual decision just to let these facial features go. Because hmm. they actually changed throughout the episode. You know, as you'd expect, each day is different. You know, they fade, they come back. He's a teenage boy, after all. Hmm. Strangely enough, when they were casting the role, he wasn't the most not lifelike. <laughs> I'm thinking lifelike. There are other actors that look more like a younger Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. But they went for the softer, awkward, nervous approach. Ooh, squeaky door. Just in case someone creeps up on Jack, he wants to hear him coming. <laughs> yeah, more or less the same thing. I was going to say, doesn't Sam know what teenage boys were like? Yeah. <laughs> it's not always a good time. No. You know, there was an implied little TM when you said squeaky door. Was it? It sounded like a sort of, you know... <laughs> I never took Jack for being... Messy? Messy and scruffy. Well, if they find MSG, I will never order from them again. Come on, what are we doing here exactly? Well, this is the last place you remember being... <laughs> you. Mm. Older? <laughs> are you conducting some sort of scientific experiment on you? Hey, come on, that salsa's still good. Too not impressed. Yeah. All the beer and cans and everything. Now. <laughs> mm. You get the feeling Jack's fridge is all beer, bitter salsa. What was the last thing you ate, sir? Four cheese burritos, some guacamole on the side. How old is Jack? That's not good food to be eating at your age. <laughs> A beer, then I hit the sack. So, whatever happened to you must have occurred once you were asleep. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, shot the sun. An actual photoshopped image of uh, Richard Dean Anderson in marine uniform. Mm. <laughs> Daniel going through his underwear? Yeah. What are you doing, Daniel? I hope my character going through his underwear. <laughs> Ooh. Tilk. <laughs> Great alien. Looked a bit threatening. Yeah. How many lights were there? There were five lights. <laughs> That's my joke. <laughs> well, you should have jumped in then. What is Where it? am I hearing that turn from? I'm going to just drove past the house. Yeah, okay. Either I'm remembering a particularly bad dream, or the Asgard paid me a little visit last night. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Jack's account sounds like a number of UFO abduction case files I've read. This you remember. My birthday you forget. Looks like you'll have a lot more. This encounter is incongruous with all previous contact we have had with the Asgard. Incongruous? Christ, Tilk. <laughs> Four-syllable word. Well done, Tilk. 
But we're allies now. We've cooperated with them on a number of missions. This, I would not have agreed to. What could they possibly hope to gain from secretly making you younger against your will? Watch the headset, Alan. I'm scratching my ear. Do you care to do it to me, please? I wouldn't mind. Drop in 25 years. Gemma, I'd like to cross-reference some of these old abduction accounts, see if I can find any connection. Please do. Major, I believe you had a briefing to run at 1,300 hours? Yes, sir, I'll be there. Wait, wait, the F-302 briefing? I thought I was running that. Given your current situation, I feel it would be best if Major Carter handled it. I'm sure you can impart any information she needs to know to fill in the gap. But, I mean, I'm the one who... Good. Dismissed. <laughs> oh, let him do it, General. <laughs> Basically, the General is treating Jack like he's one of his granddaughters. Yes. Come in. Jack, try to understand. Your situation puts me in a very difficult position. Uh, General, no offense, but you're not the one who went to bed watching CNN and woke up as part of the MTV generation. Which is exactly why Major Carter's going to handle that briefing. Sir, I've flown the 302 more times than anyone else. Be that as it may, the bottom line is a room full of seasoned pilots aren't going to respect the opinion of a boy. <sighs> <laughs> Sir, I just look like one. For the moment. <laughs> you do what you're told, young man. Yes. And plus, you know, if they're going to be working here, they're going to have to start getting used to, you know, unusual things happening. Look, Jack, no one is disputing that you may continue to be a valuable asset to the SGC. But under the circumstances, there's nothing I can do. I'm sorry. Hmm. Yes, sir. I understand. Mm -mm. The problem is, when you get in a 302, yeah. the chances are the seat is not adjustable. Yeah. <laughs> Quite restrained for Jack. Yes. It would appear that a great many of the Tauri have encountered beings from other worlds. Yep. Little do they know how close they are to the truth. Well, any abduction accounts that match Jack's story, and uh, obviously anyone claiming to have physically regressed several decades overnight. We just need to enter our search parameters into the database. And... It's already been done. Wow. Now, this was surely a, a chance to uh, reference the X-Files. Mm. Indeed. Let's see if any of these match Jack's story exactly what he said he saw. Four green lights. Project Blue Book. Same production company. That's a little more reasonable. That's interesting. The narrowed down accounts, the most recent is from 19 years ago. Eight are here in the States. You know, if these addresses are still valid, we should do a talk to these people in person. What do you hope to learn? I guess we'll know when we learn it. Uh, but how many lights were there? Mm-hmm. So, the Air Force do keep a database. Let's go for Yes, because that would make sense. Road trip. Yes, we're from the Air Force. No, we don't actually believe you. We're just investigating your abduction story after eight years. It's good to see the training all these pilots, so they must be tuning them out now. Yes. Captain. Major, according to our mission reports, you were second seat on the most recent mission involving the 302. Yes, and that one included close combat. We'll be covering what was learned in that encounter in this briefing. Well, didn't Colonel O'Neill pilot that mission? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. The Colonel also commanded the X-302 during both previous hyperspace window missions, didn't he, Major? What's your point, Major? Uh, pilots. Cocky sods off on them. Mm -hmm. Colonel O'Neill is unavailable. However, I've prepared several computer models which should help you understand how the 302 handles in combat situations. Major, no offense, but those aren't going to help me when I'm pulling six Gs in a dogfight against an alien ship. What he means is, Major, you're a woman. This isn't going well. 
The 302 has inertial dampening systems. Yeah, there's no respect here at all. Yeah. <laughs> we all wanted to meet Colonel O'Neill. With that attitude, young man, you won't be. See, it fits. Stay focused. <laughs> Ignore the, the sounds of the boy struggling outside. <laughs> you can release him. The security officers, Dan Payne and Noah Beggs. Dan Payne does a lot of the uh, prosthetics work. They need a big guy. He's your man. They don't respect Carter. They're certainly not going to respect this. Carter? Well, to be honest, I wouldn't either. Could have taken him. <laughs> I'm sure. Sorry I'm late. What'd I miss? We were just covering the 302's flight capabilities. Well then, I'm just in time. Here's what you need to know. Major, is this a joke? No, this is Colonel O'Neill. I'm only going to say this once, so I'd suggest that you listen up. <laughs> Whatever you say. Hey, I realize that it doesn't actually say Colonel anywhere on my uniform, but it should. <laughs> now they're listening to Sam. And that was the book clench move, <laughs> as described by Peter DeLuise in the commentary. Yes. Now, velocity is key during engagement with the glider. Now, your instincts are going to tell you to floor it because it's faster and more maneuverable, but you've got to stay in control. Uh, oh, yeah, and the uh, inertial dampeners only compensate 90% when pulling negative Gs. So the real trick is knowing your enemy so you can anticipate their next moves. At last, they're listening. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Good actor. Death Gliders 101. May I ask why the United States Air Force has taken a renewed interest in my story after 26 years? <laughs> yes. Very good question. Yes. Now, this was actually shot on the driveway of Jack's house. Mm-hmm. Does he get a new cap for every episode? It's probably in the contract. I was asleep in my bed, and a light appeared in my room and took me. Took you where? Some kind of spacecraft, I suppose. I was weightless, floating in midair, and yet it was dark. dark. Another abductee? I couldn't move a muscle even though I was wide awake. After the light hit you, then what? The devices came. They were these green, glowing balls that floated around me. Nice, sir. He said that after the small green sphere stopped scanning him, they left him alone for a long while. Zhang Wu, played by Ed Hung Lao. <laughs> X-Files, MacGyver, Poltergeist Legacy. His interpreter is Teresa Lee, who's been inside Smallville. <laughs> Done a huge amount of work in China. Yes. That's him. <laughs> Funky little car, isn't it? It's an electric cart. It's a mini cart. Mm. Now, didn't General Hammond, or should I say Donis Davis, in Twin Peaks play a guy who investigated aliens? I don't know. I never got beyond episode one. It's on Netflix. I'll watch it. <laughs> they all described four green globes that seemed to defy gravity, buzzing around them like insects. Now, that's too specific a detail to be a coincidence. The being that abducted them. I assume they described an Asgard as well. Short, big eyes, no hair, weird voice. The Asgard haven't responded to our attempted communications. Well, if help is coming, it better arrive soon. Hmm. Oh, she's bringing bad news. That's a BS one. That was described as electro rock music. Was it? Right. It's open. How you doing? Well, I think I'm getting another zit. 
and, uh, oh, yeah, I'm still a kid. Ah, uh, but beyond that, I'm doing just peachy, thanks. Why? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and every now and again, I will cross my legs for some reason. Yes. Especially when you walk in. <laughs> or uncross my legs. Now, wouldn't this have been better mm. coming from his doctor? How bad can it be? Ooh, that can't be good. You're probably not feeling the effects yet, but something is happening to your body at the cellular level. Basically, your genetic structure is growing more unstable, but... <laughs> Small words. <laughs> Oopsie. Colonel. You're dying. Janet actually looks like she's come off the set of a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Took off an evening gown and put on a doctor's smock. <laughs> Honestly, I feel fine. You'll start to notice symptoms as the condition worsens. How long do I have? It's hard to say. Pretty vague. Yes. You should make it to the afternoon at the very least. Yes. Weeks, days, I don't know. You'll notice fatigue first. In the end, your body's vital organs will completely shut down. It's like something inside you is causing a total system failure. I don't get it. We help save their skinny asses from the replicators, and as a thanks, they shrink me and leave me to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not going anywhere. His eyes look a bit irritated from the contacts. We didn't bother with the gate effect, it was cheap. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I'm sure it'll help coming directly from you. How are Mark and the kids? Good. Great. Kids are great. I'll tell me said hi. A nice little reference to uh, Sam's brother. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's speechless. I'm sorry. Uh, Sam told me what was going on, but what could anyone possibly hope to gain from this? <laughs> Can we just? Uh, get out of That's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> He's enjoying this. <laughs> well, as I told Sam, our options are pretty limited. You come all this way just to say goodbye? At this point, I'm here to recommend we put you in stasis until we better understand your condition. You want to freeze me? Oh, lovely. He knows Sam. Yes. Yeah, well, I've been down this road with the toker before. No offense, Jacob, but the last time you guys helped me out of a jam... I ended up rescuing an old girlfriend I'd never met before. <laughs> we would never subject you to another blending without your express permission. Good. Yeah, but never lots happen. of fun and adventure. Yes. And you meet interesting people. But you need to make a decision. We have a team standing by. But if you wait too long, we may not be able to reverse the cellular breakdown. Colonel, please. Damien Kindler, who actually did the teleplay, said... Since he was reasonably new to the franchise, this episode helped him immensely to understand Richard Dean Anson's character. Mm-hmm. He was forced to write virtually the whole episode from Jack's point of view. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a Jack skull. That stopped the episode in its tracks, won't it, really? Yes. <laughs> you think you'll do it? I'd a little tight kick in the screen if I gave myself. I'd come all this way to watch him die like this. Oopsie. So much for the security guard. We have a security breach. Level 25, guest quarters. Why don't they just cancel his card? Wouldn't that be the first thing they'd do? 
the network may not be up to it. Okay, we, we know... Advantage just to being small. Yeah, um... <laughs> level 9. He's managed to get up as far as level 9. We've said it before, though, haven't we? How can you get out of the base like that? Mm. Security teams have swept the base three times in the past six hours. Inside and out. They found nothing. I think it's safe to assume he's no longer here. Well, Colonel O'Neill knows the SGC as well as anyone. If he wanted a way out, I'm sure he'd find one. It's not God and it's not locked or anything. Mm. I know it could be useful in many, many episodes, but still. The base is secure as the plot requires. You know that. The school night for crying out loud. How about light here? Give me a break. Oh, more bad news. <laughs> the shopkeeper, Ralph Alderman. Wasn't he in um, that movie I was chatting about before with the guy who played Dr. Flox in it? I have no idea. He hasn't acted much. He was in Breaking Bad recently. But he's also a carpenter and he put up some shells for Peter DeLuise. Mm. Peter made it quite clear that had nothing to do with him getting this role. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> sneaky, Jack, sneaky. Lieutenant Colonel Beck, played by Gregory Bennett. He's had guest spots on Supernatural, Scary Movie, and Way Back with MacGyver. Mm. I suppose it's reasonable to assume that uh, in a small town near a military base, you would run into military people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was. Colonel Jack O'Neill? You're Jack O'Neill's nephew. I didn't know he had a sibling. Al, you still. Uh, but yeah, Uncle Jack's been like a father to me, you know, since my folks died. Ah. So how's old Jack doing, anyway? Uh, he's fine. He's not that old, either. Well, tell him... Tell him Harley said to watch his six. Hey, yeah, uh... Speaking of, of six... Look, uh, seeing as how you, you know my uncle and all... You think you could do me little favor oh dear yeah he's gonna get his beer now yeah. this convenience store was actually a, a sushi restaurant opposite the studios oh, sure, man. he's gonna let the kid beer of course he is <laughs> uh, surprisingly the uh, mission he actually referred to proving force was an actual air force mission hmm. not a secret mission yeah. we first compared colonel o'neill's dna samples to the ones we had on file the match was almost perfect almost you said there was a tiny abnormality that's right. Selmak thinks he knows why. Do we hear Selmak? This is not Colonel O'Neill. But he's a clone. Hey, hello, Selmak. Been a while. Which shouldn't really come as a surprise, considering the one thing the Asgard do know is clones. Mm. I see. Keep me informed. No word yet on... What exactly do we call him at this point? <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Jack Mark too. So we think we have a clear idea of what might be going on. Jack Light. Yes. We know that the Asgard clone themselves. Their very existence depends on their ability to clone their bodies and then transfer their consciousness from one to the next. But they suffer from grave medical conditions due to thousands of years of cloning. Which will ultimately lead to the fall of their civilization if they can't solve the problem of diminishing returns in their cloning technology. What does this have to do with Colonel O'Neill? We had the abductee's DNA that Duke and I interviewed scanned for the same abnormalities as 
duplicate O'Neill. Convenient. Hard yes. to forget their DNA. With the Air Force. <laughs> well, in all likelihood, the Asgard responsible took the original people and replaced them with duplicates so as not to arouse suspicion. They study the originals for a period of time and then switch them back. I prefer Jack 2.0. Yeah, that'll work. Especially, uh, was it Fox did the uh, Jake show? I believe it was. We're hoping the fact that Colonel O'Neill's clone didn't fully mature is a mistake. What makes you think that? The previous actions of the Asgard responsible indicated his desire to remain covert. Jack's clone's condition is a dead giveaway. So it's a good bet the Asgard doesn't even know there's a problem or else he would have tried to fix it. Well, they'll figure it out when they try to switch him back. If they try to switch. Are you saying if we don't track down the young duplicate, we may not get the real Colonel O'Neill back? Well, no, we're, we're sure the Asgard would be able to find him if he wants. That's not the real issue. We wish to apprehend the Asgard responsible. Intercepting the next switch may be our only shot. Hammond. Funky phone. Looks a bit 70s. Come on, General. We should be able to find one 15-year-old boy, even if he has the brain and all the knowledge of Jack O'Neill, when the plot requires. Patch him through. I tell you, you like Richard Dean Anderson. You're yes. fiddling with everything, aren't you? I fiddle with stuff. It won't be so bad. The audio picks it up. Sorry, I fidget. No, it's set my hands or something? Yeah, and try not to move your head so your headset don't creak either, because the microphone picks that up as well. Yes, Mike. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Unless you brought beer, that's close enough. What, he's fishing? He's gone fishing. Without fishing rod. He's just fishing with wire. He probably couldn't go home, because that was the first place to look, but he probably could get hold of uh, some line. Called General Hammond and placed you in the area. A man from whom you recently bought bait said he recommended this river. Ah, there we go. Thanks for trying, but I'm not interested in the deep freeze deal. Look, we're not here to take you to the toker. There may not be much time. Never is, is there? Okay, well, it, there's no easy way to tell you this, so Sam's just going to come right out and say it. <laughs> Ow! Daniel! Oh, God. As you know, the Asgard depend on a cloning technology oh, for that crying is... out loud. Coward. <laughs> you have been cloned, O'Neill. Thank you, Teal. What? We think the Asgard took the real you and made a copy. An unstable one at that. The real me? Yeah, the original. That's not your real anything. I'm I'm sorry. How loud is the river? He's shouting. I imagine it's really loud. Chances are they probably had to ADR it as well. Well, that's what we hope to find out. But we need your help. You can see the amount of irritation those contacts are causing. His eyes look very bloodshot. Part of that is makeup, emphasise the fact that he's dying. But I suppose you can't keep contacts in, especially those big and coloured ones that they use. Mm-hmm. This plan sucks. <laughs> it's the only one you've got, though, Jack. Look, I know you don't think I am who I am, but as far as I'm concerned, I am who I am. Yeah, that's very philosophical, Jack. <laughs> I am what I am. What about the fact that this body is dying? I mean, has anyone even thought about that for a second? Well, technically, you're not our Jack, so... No, we don't care. You're just a cheap knockoff. I see. You don't care as long as you get the original back. No. <laughs> we just... We, we don't know what else to do for you. Perhaps the Asgard responsible can correct his mistake. Fine. Give me a nine mil, I'll get it out of the sucker. Uh, we don't know who or what we might be facing yet. Exactly why you can't just use me as bait and hang me out to dry. Of course we can, Jack. Yes. Hmm, he's thinking about it. You're never going to intercept one of those Asgard beams. The only chance you have at capturing this guy is me. He's right. Has the SCC got the technology to actually grab an Asgard transport beam in mid-beam? Well, certainly not. He's treating cracked. 
How's that? Thank you, sir. Do they really expect the uh, Asgard is going to pull up in the driveway? <laughs> Cardi, you still got your ears on? Yes, sir. Daniel? Teal? Everything appears to be normal, O'Neill. Yeah, not to me. You want to go over the instructions I gave you again? Don't worry, Carter. I'm sure I'll figure it out. Yeah, something's happening. Mm. Hey. Welcome back, Richard. And this was the very first thing Richard Anderson filmed for season seven. Mm-hmm. A shot of his arse. <laughs> Colonel, you all right? Jack. Jack! O'Neill. But unlike Daniel's shot... His clothes on. <laughs> not his bearers. Oh, he's in for a surprise. What are you all doing in my bedroom? Oh, Chinese ship. Oh, a little shit. Hello. Do not be afraid. <laughs> oh, I like the expression on his face. <laughs> oh, be careful what you're doing, lad. Be careful. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing in my bedroom? I assume this is important. Just a little, sir. Oh, cable ties. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's gotta hurt. Okay. Wrong Captain. <laughs> yep. Let's see. Jack has picked stuff up over the years. <laughs> yeah, because Carter told them. And they're wearing the same outfits, of course. Uh, yes. Ah, and three o'clock. I was having the weirdest dream. Hey, see, Carter? Told you it was no problem. It almost looks like Trick Mirror Shop, but it's not. It does, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> oh, come on, look, and hair on them. They're both cowards. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really much taller than I think. <laughs> <laughs> in the commentary they made the point that exactly the same shot they would use if they were using two Jack O'Neills who looked identical mm. kind of emphasises the point that they are different but the same what's going on? we're pretty sure this Asgard over here kidnapped you and attempted to replace you with a clone you know he seemed to Daniel seemed to emphasise the ass in Asgard there. it was Asgard it wasn't Asgard it's a record seven days <laughs> you? yeah uh Believe me, if you think it's weird, imagine how I feel being the copy. Jack's taking this rather well. Yeah. <laughs> He's awakened. Let's face it, Jack didn't take it so well when Harlan made the robots. No. He's got to poke him, isn't he? What's happening? We were kind of hoping you could tell us. No, no, no. This is all wrong. Hey! Waterboard him. Go on. I'll tell you what's wrong. I just woke up. Haven't had coffee, let alone a pee in seven days. And I find out you stole my ass and made a mini-me. <laughs> well, they had to, didn't they? Yes. Really? Come on. Carter, I should be irked currently. Yes? Yes, I, I would be. 
<laughs> Is he trying to moderate his English? Probably, yes. Why don't you tell us who you are? Loki. According to Norse mythology, that's the god of mischief. So who's playing Loki? Loki is played by Peter DeLuise. The actual puppeteer did the original voice, but he says it sounded too British. So Peter DeLuise re-recorded all the audio. Hmm. What? Maybe you're a little put out, but this guy didn't hit all the right buttons on the Xerox. This body is going to fall apart if he doesn't fix me. I cannot. All the clones suffered the same fate. Okay, I'm going back to my original question. What's going on? I am a scientist, a former geneticist with the Asgard Ruling Council. <laughs> former. <laughs> I was stripped of my stature after I was caught performing unsanctioned experiments on humans. What, you've got sanctioned ones? Oh, dear. <laughs> He's not quite used to having a discussion with lower beings and trying to phrase it right. Courage, some might call it a lack of morality. Our population cannot withstand the duplication process for much longer. Well, how can experimenting on humans change that? Your bodies are similar to our original form thousands of years ago. Using your physical makeup as a template, I had hoped to find a way to construct a clone that could contain our massively superior intellect. My research was unsuccessful. So much for massively superior intellect. I was going to say that. Yes, I'd say, long-term fans of the show know this, but they're kind of going over old ground. I would have found what I needed eventually. Why risk coming back here and breaking the law after 19 years? Because I thought he was the one. Me? And you used Jack? Well, <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, he's held the knowledge of the ancients, so his brain is capable. He was physiologically advanced enough to carry and utilize all the data from the ancients' repository of knowledge. That would not be possible for any human one generation ago. He is a significant step forward on your evolutionary path. You just found this out recently? I learned about it when all the Asgard did. O'Neill is legendary. <laughs> the one. Out of everybody on Earth, Jack is the only person that claimed to have done that. And subsequent relocation of our people. So you took the opportunity when no one was looking to sneak back here. <laughs> Rather sneaky, really. <laughs> I am trying to save my people. Look, I know this isn't all about me, but come on. Seriously. I'm dying here. You say it doesn't look alright. I cannot reverse your fate. Nor can I explain why you did not mature to the proper age as you should have. Well, easy to see why they kicked you out of the science club. Some scientist. <laughs> Insult the Asgard. Yes. Loki was a mixture of puppet and CGI. Basically, when you see him lying in the bed, he's a puppet. When you see him walking about, he's a CGI. Okay. Please, do not. We've already tried contacting the Asgard a number of times. You know, you'd think if Thor knew about this. Okay, pretty sure that's it. Ooh, looks nervous now. Tardy thought it took you at least 20 seconds. How many gets two paychecks for this episode? Who? Michael. Oh, for the voice. <laughs> that looks like Jack didn't get the reference, but young Jack did. Yeah. You're right. Actually, no. Uh, what do we do if Thor doesn't show up? <laughs> Never mind. Well, it's about time. Oh, surprise. I apologize for not coming sooner. <laughs> Loki, what have you done? Yeah, it seems he's been playing Dr. Moreau behind your back. Yes, Dr. Moreau. 
You know why I am here. You should have known O'Neill's genetic coding was safeguarded for his own protection. Excuse me? A marker was placed in your DNA to prevent any attempts at genetic manipulation. The abnormality. That's why the clone didn't mature. Yes, Loki will be punished for his actions. Is it true that Colonel O'Neill is the key to solving your cloning problems? No. <laughs> oh, oh, Jack. Indeed you are, O'Neill. But our scientists have already determined that while you are an important step forward in the evolutionary chain, the missing link we have been searching for still eludes us. I'm sorry? Again, I apologize for any inconvenience Loki may have caused. Yeah, that's what I'd call it. <laughs> yes, uh, the missing link was Charlie, and he's dead. Yes. Is not my doing, but rather a result of Loki's inept methods. There was no need for the clones to survive. Ouch. Ooh, that's cold, yeah. that is. Isn't it? Yes. But then again, rats in a lab, you know, when they've served their usefulness. Look, Thor. Is there anything you can do for him? The whining's starting to grate. <laughs> you wish your clone to live? You can't just let me die. Yes, technically, you owe just as much of a debt to that Jack O'Neill. If I were O'Neill, I'd be tempted to... <laughs> Are you certain? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> Hello? I'm dying here. Think, think faster. I'm thinking. I'm not sure I like myself when I get older. <laughs> yeah. Very well. I will attempt to repair his DNA. If successful, he should continue to mature at a normal human rate. Thanks. One of the things Damien and Peter pointed out is that as clones, the Asgard don't really consider the soul to be an actual part of a person. Uh -huh. And that's probably why they looked at the clones of Jag in the same way. It's just not important. The song? Oh, the song. I have no idea. Gasp. Not the sort of thing old Jack would play. Mm. I would imagine he'd go on to join the military. Ooh, ladies. Now, this is a redressed old sure folks' home this. in Vancouver. Obviously, it must have been cheaper than actually filming in front of a school. Yes, and you need fewer permissions. Probably more eager to take the money as well. <laughs> I mean, we never really did embrace high school. <laughs> I'm not going through that again. I don't know, haven't you ever just wanted to go back and do it all over again? I mean, especially with all you know now. So who's guardianing the guy? Somebody must do. If the Air Force... Air Force... Air Force is bankrolling his life, somebody must be the parental guardian. Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm going to do this. Maybe they've got an emancipation order. Could be, yeah. Hey, listen, do me a favour, huh? Don't worry, I wasn't going to keep in touch. Yeah, just be a little... Weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. But look, if you need anything, just, you know... Air Force has set me up. I'll be fine. You sure about this? I mean, it's high school. <laughs> yes, I, I enjoyed it. Yes. Go forth, young man. <laughs> Jack yes, gets it. Yes, because it's not creepy with uh, you're 15 going after 16-year-old girls. Actually, looks kind of good with the shades. 
He's got all the maturity and knowledge and wisdom of a seasoned veteran in a 15-year-old's body. Yeah, so you see, basically, young Jack dies of AIDS at age 22. I'd imagine he's a lot more sensible than that. Mm. This idea has been done before. Quantum Leap did it with uh, old Sam in young Sam's body. Mm. Odyssey 5 did it as well. Yes, they did, and he ended up not having sex. Strangely enough, they did get a little bit of flack on various websites and portals, people pointing out that it was a little bit creepy, having, a, in essence, a grown man going after 15-year-old girls. But, I mean, that's taking it a bit far, come on. Right, that was Fragile Balance, and I enjoyed that a lot. It was fun. It's Jack, by two. It was a, a Jack episode that had Richard Dean Anderson in one day filming. Yes. No, that's the sort of job you want, isn't it? it? There's a hell of a lot to be said for being a producer of a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First off, we're going to start filming. Where's the star? He's not here yet. Okay, we filmed the episode where he's not in it. A little bit of trivia. Damien Kindler and uh, Robert C. Cooper worked together on a Canadian show called Sci Factor. Mm-hmm. Rob Cooper was a story editor for one season, and then he came and started the Stargate. A few years later, he brought Damien Kindler, the uh, writer, on board that he did the teleplay for this episode, his first real Jack episode. The young girl that was uh, suspended on Loki's ship, that was Joey Shea, Dan Shea's daughter. Which explains why she wasn't traditionally naked. (laughs) Yeah, that could be that. She's done a bit of acting, but her last two gigs were as a stunt woman, so she's probably taking after her dad. Yes. She's all grown up now. Yeah. (laughs) Redhead. I was just going to mention Trish Talman in terms of acting and stunt acting. Oh, of course, yeah, yes. That's where she did her work. Yes, on Star Trek, doubling for pretty much every female actress, <laughs> you know, and every single female Klingon, all of them. Well, that were Fragile Balance, fun in its own mini Jack way. Yeah, a bit of a throwaway. On the surface, a throwaway episode. But in years to come, they do kind of look back on this episode. It, it does have some significance. Not in Stargate, but one of the spin-off series. Hmm, that's fair enough, because I always thought something they could still do. Oh, yeah, very easily. No, no, something they could do is actually spin off a TV movie with him and Cassandra (laughs) ending up in a sort of alien abduction slash relationship thing and realising who each other were. You know, they don't necessarily know each other, but they end up getting thrown together because they're both kidnapped by some mad ghoul or Asgard or something. That would have been interesting. I mean, uh, I suppose Cassandra at this point would be a little older, so they wouldn't have been going to the same school. But it's something they could do now. With the relevant actors being in their mid-twenties. Oh, you actually mean with the same actors? Yes. Mm. Or different actors, but, I mean, by the time they hit their mid-twenties, the age difference would be well within acceptable relationship parameters. Let's face it, MGM could do anything with the Stargate franchise. We just hope they do. We are hearing rumours of some sort of project. Exactly what, beyond application angle? Yes, well, let's face it, it can't be as bad as Stargate Infinity. I haven't seen it, and I agree with you totally. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen three-quarters of one episode. Oh, that much? Yeah, we're in the 80s. It was on Cartoon Network. Sorry, not the 80s, the 90s. <laughs> yeah, the 80s. Next week, we have Orpheus. Teok's dependence on Tritonin is changing in ways he didn't expect, and he's struggling with identity as a Jafar. Daniel is also struggling to come to terms with his dissension. Okay, that's a word. Dissension? That's it. <laughs> surely that's not. <laughs> that's what it says. Sharing <laughs> Kel Noreen with Teok, Daniel has a vision of Teok's son Ryak and mentor Braytak trapped in a Jafar death camp and realises he did nothing to help them. I thought Teok said he could no longer Kel Noreen since he went on Tritone. Well, he said he was having trouble. Mm. So obviously, eventually, uh, if you cow enough, you Noreen. Mm. <laughs> Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? 
I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We have feedback. We had an email from Colin about this week's episode. A welcome change of pace after the action of the first two with some fantastic comedy moments. With Big Jack getting more time off, they bring in Little Jack, who is brilliant. For a young actor, he captured the mannerisms and attitude of Big Jack wonderfully, even reminding me of the fact that Big Jack is not the dumb guy they seem to have made him lately. I mean, Jack used to study the stars, remember? It reminds me that some things the writers dropped from Jack's character were not always for the better. Still, we do learn more about Jack being a superhuman, while also finding out Loki is a mad genetic scientist. I wonder if Iron Man knows he's back. There are one or two problems with this episode, though. First, when the team find out little Jack is a clone, they lose impetus in regards to keeping him alive. Second, 15-year-old Jack has the mind of a big Jack. Lusting after teenage girls is wrong. Finally, would he really just go back to school? All the good humour in this episode and good acting cannot excuse a sloppy ending. Live long and podcast. Colin. Thanks for the feedback, Colin. And if anyone wants to hear more of him, you can find Colin over on Trek News and Views, the Star Trek podcast. Birthdays for the upcoming week include, on the 5th of June, Brian Jensen, who voiced the Asgard Freya in three SG-1 episodes, and also played the head priest in Bloodlines. Also on the 5th, Mark Warden celebrates his birth. He played Ronan in The Lost City Part 2, as well as a couple of guest roles in Enterprise and DS9. The 5th is a popular date, as Sandy Sue, who played Dr. Mehta in Stargate Universe, also has a birthday. We have two birthdays on the 8th of June. First up is Alan Scoff the British actor who guest-starred in the Atlantis episode Poisoning the Well. And the big birthday of the week, at least for this sci-fi fan, is Lexa Doig, who was the recurring character Dr. Carolyn Lamb in SG-1. Lexa is married to Michael Shanks, and has Andromeda, the 4400, Eureka, V, and Continuum in her resume. Speaking of which, you can catch many a Stargate alumni on the new Canadian sci-fi series Continuum, which started last week on Showcase. The premiere episode was excellent, and Tony Amendola, Master Braydak, Featured heavily, but you also saw David Nichol, Jennifer Spence and Mike Dupont. That's the feedback and birthdays for this week, and this is how you can get in touch with us. The Gatecast website can be found at gatecast.facecast.com and has its own feedback and contact form. Links to episodes not on the current RSS feed can be found there as well. Our Facebook and Google Plus groups are listed under The Gatecast, and our Twitter feed goes by The Gatecast, which is one word. We are also listed on the Blueberry service as The Gatecast, one word, and Cast Roller as The Gatecast. You can also be found on iTunes, and that's one portal where any comments and reviews would be most welcome. Finally, our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and even with today's social media network deluge, it's still the most basic and reliable method of contacting us. If you want to be a bit more adventurous than recording an audio file, MP3 preferable, but it doesn't really matter, and email it to us. It's a great way to interact with us and the rest of the listeners. It also helps when we hear how to pronounce somebody's name. So feel free to send us feedback and any other type of comment about the Stargate franchise, or our own small part of this fandom. Links and pictures are all part of the love of SG-1, SGA and Universe. Retweets, shares and plus ones are always appreciated. One universe, one people, the journey never ends. Stargate forever. Okay then folks, thanks for listening to us. Watch and comment on Fragile Balance. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com.